Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. Beauty has always been a trait highly valued in women, and quantifying what is and is not, quote unquote, beautiful, is deeply rooted. It goes back to the earliest philosophers. Plato said that beauty resides in, quote, proper measure and proper size. And when asked why people prize physical beauty, Socrates said, quote, no one that is not blind could ask that question, end quote. In her best-selling book, Survival of the Prettiest, author Nancy Etkoff notes that from Plato to pinups, images of human beauty have catered to a limitless desire to see and imagine an ideal human form. Etkoff goes on to say that, quote, we live in an age of ugly beauty. Reverence for beauty is just an escape from reality. It is the perpetual adolescence in us refusing to accept a flawed world, end quote. And of course, this impacts women most in a world that prizes beauty above all in women. And as we talk about often on the Advancing Women podcast, a world that is constantly expecting us to absorb the flaws and to fix our flaws. The research shows that society has an impact on our standards of beauty, playing a role in affecting beauty trends, body image, and self-esteem. And increasingly, there is support in the research that social media affects individuals negatively in pushing them to engage in sometimes life-threatening beauty trends due to social compliance and acceptance in society. So this is an important conversation, and I am so excited to have this conversation today with Shantae Hamilton. Shantae is an actress, singer, and songwriter that is passionate about promoting body positivity and acceptance. She is the CEO of FAWOC for All Women of Color, a company that empowers women of all colors in the world of entertainment. And I recently came across a visual communication project she created and produced called The Dark Side of Beauty and just knew I had to have her on the podcast. I'm so delighted to have you here today, Shantae. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is a topic that I think comes in and out of popularity in the media, but is always there. And it continues with social media to get worse and worse. And then I saw your work and I thought, wow, this is so impactful. This is so important. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about why, from a communications perspective, you feel this is such an important topic to talk about. It is very personal uh, to me. And I'm a person, let me just start by saying, I have always been a person that prides myself on my appearance, you know, making sure that I look a certain way, presenting myself a certain way, working in entertainment, that is pretty much the job anyways. So um, that has always been something that has been on my mind and in the forefront. However, a couple of years ago, I fell ill. And I was diagnosed with lung cancer in my life. It, it took a completely different turn and beauty wasn't so important. My appearance wasn't so important anymore. It was still important. I struggled with that. Um, I struggled with still feeling beautiful, still feeling like myself. I'm like, I am myself. I, I'm still the same person, but physically I lost my hair. You know, there was different things that happened to me and I fell into a depression for a while and I didn't want to see people because I was like, I don't look like I used to look or I don't present myself in this way that's accepted. And so that 
was something I had to sit with. And I thought about it. I'm like, I'm in the fight of my life and I'm worried about how I'm looking. As women, we, we do sometimes get criticized for being seen as superficial and so forth when mm-hmm. we care too much about our looks, but we're conditioned socially, especially as women, to care about how we look. We are treated differently when we present in a way that is conforming to society's expectations and we are valued more highly. It's not fair, but that's the world we live in. And so it's not really surprising to me. And in some ways, I think it really punctuates how we are socially conditioned to care so much about our appearance that even in the fight of our life, as you said, when you talk about lung cancer, it's still there always. And just then coming to terms with that, I think is such an incredibly important point to be made. I was really impacted by what you said about, I didn't want to see people looking a certain kind of way, because I think for me and other women will feel this, even with weight gain and so forth, you find yourself almost pulling away from society and not wanting to engage because deep down, you're worried that they're going to look at you and go, oh, she really looks terrible. That type of thing, right? Exactly. That's, that's exactly it. So you were feeling all these things Did that encourage you to then kind of look up why or the psychology of it? How did you end up in this dark side of beauty and really looking at how this was impacting other women beyond your experience? One day I was sitting in um, oncologist's office and I was sitting next to this lady who was really in a bad situation and we were talking and I noticed like she was so beautiful. She was made up. You know, she had her lip gloss, she had a scarf on and we were talking and we got on the conversation about beauty. We just started talking about it. And she was like, you know what? I decided, you know what? I'm going to rock my bald head. She just had this, just this confidence and she was worse off than I was, but she had this confidence about her. And that was a pivotal moment for me. Like I went home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the best of what I see and appreciate and love. I'm still the same person. So I'm going to embrace who I am at all times. I will never again do that to myself. And that was the pivotal moment for me. Yeah, I love that because really it's a movement from saying, I'm going to choose to see beauty differently than I know with your organization for all women of color. There's another whole layer to that, which is this ideal, right? Yes, definitely. Everything about entertainment is visual, what you see. I've never heard anyone like, oh, they have a great personality. It is always about your looks. And you can be openly told when you go into an audition, you need to change your nose, you need to change your hair, you need to lose 50 pounds. You like, it is typical, but the emotional impact that that has on us, you know, especially women is so major because then you see people doing things that are dangerous to try to live up to these standards or to try to attain the definition of beauty as defined by these power makers, which are normally male. So yeah, it's very important to have this organization to equip women with what they need to not fall into this trap of, I need to mutilate myself or starve myself in order to be accepted. I think that's such a critical point. One of the key messages behind the Advancing Women podcast is it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And what you've really outlined is a reality for women, which is 
It would be great if the world would stop having such a myopic and narrow view of what beauty was and how we had to look. And that wasn't the top priority above all things, especially for women. But since it's there, one of the things that we have to do is protect ourselves from believing and absorbing that narrative in a way that makes us unable to love or appreciate or value ourselves because we're chasing this level of beauty that is not attainable in a lot of cases and isn't realistic or even possible. Exactly. And just to go back to the lady that sat next to me, one of the things that really stuck out for me is she was like, it's how you feel. We focus so much on what other people think and we think for other people all the time. I don't know why I do it all the time. Like, I wonder if they're thinking this. We don't know what's in their head, but we focus so much on what other people think. And she was like, it's all about how you feel about yourself, how you view yourself. And for me, that's how I've been coming out of that situation that I was in. I just started making it personal to me and how I feel and how I view myself and making that the most important aspect of it. Yeah, it's no small thing to interrupt a narrative that is pervasive and screaming at you almost from birth, especially as a woman, to say, this is what you should be. And you mentioned, I don't know why we think of others. Well, we are conditioned as women to be mindful of the way we present, because if we're not careful, it can really work against us if we don't present in a certain kind of way. And so interrupting that and saying, that doesn't serve me. This is not making me feel good about the person I am. This is moving me perhaps in a direction that is not good for me emotionally and possibly not good for me physically. And I want to talk a little bit more about social media and the impact on beauty and beauty standards and this concept of digitized dysmorphia, the social media digitized beauty standards and female body image, which is even beyond the level of expectation that we've had previously. Now we're not even held necessarily accountable to the highest standard, but something that is beyond It really punctuates an unattainable beauty standard, which now we are exposed to almost daily, and it really speaks to your work, the dangerous lengths to which women go to, to attain these unrealistic and unattainable beauty standards that we're bombarded with constantly on social media. So if you could talk a little bit about your research and what you found, how you have seen this and therefore felt compelled to interrupt it and be a part of a conversation of the consequences if we go down this path. Yeah. So when I started looking into this, into uh, my research, three things stuck out to me, influence, emulation, and imitation. Those are the three things that happens in social media. You have these influencers that are super powerful. They have these great following of people. And then you have the people that emulate them wanting to reach that status and that level of success, what they define as success and beauty. And then you have the people that will imitate that. Their followers are saying, okay, if this is what is defined as beautiful because this person is this successful, they've now become the definition of beauty. And imitating that, there comes, you know, a price, obviously. It's very expensive for cosmetic uh, procedures to happen. And in addition to that, then there are the risks because every time you have a cosmetic procedure, it is a surgical procedure. There are major risks with surgeries. 
the anesthesia is one, but everything else that follows their risk. And people don't seem to realize how risky a lot of these procedures are. And then in addition to that, there are these stories that I found like April Brown, who all she wanted was an enhancement. You know, she was introduced to someone that did butt injections and she went not knowing that she was being injected with bathroom sealant. She developed this terrible infection. She lost limbs, her hands, her legs, and her buttocks. So it's like, at what point do we say this is too much? You know, how great of a risk are you willing to take for beauty? And when your risk becomes harming yourself, then that is too extreme of a risk. That is a problem. That is something that we need to address. Social media, of course, is making it even more challenging for us to address it because it's always in our face that this is the way we need to look and this is what we need to do to be defined as beautiful. So we're really in a bad place when it comes to that. Yeah, that's such a horrifying story. And I noticed in your work, many stories like that. And it's unsurprising when you talk about influencers and emulating. When we are held to this standard that isn't even real because they've also put a filter on it, but then we don't have the resources that these people have either. These people may be getting enhancements from the top physicians, from the best of the best, and then you've got people who aren't in a position financially, yet they're driven to imitate. And so you've got this far less safe and reliable option that is available you start seeing these kinds of stories. And I'm going to actually include a link to your project because so many of those images of these women were so powerful in terms of the price and the cost. And we get images that suggest this is the answer. But I think what you're talking about is a counter message that is incredibly important. That's why I decided to include some of the procedures. Like you can click and actually watch a procedure because we don't think about the actual procedure itself. I thought that was very important for people to see. It is a surgical procedure and it is serious because I don't think it connects with people that these are really surgical procedures. People have died from these procedures. I actually have clips of of some women that have lost their lives doing these procedures. And so when the risk becomes that great, I think it's something that we definitely have to talk about for ourselves and the generation coming up behind us, because they're going to be greatly impacted by it. Everything is digital. Yeah, I love what you're saying about the impact, because I think it would be a mistake for anyone listening to think, well, I'm never going to get some crazy surgery, so therefore... I don't really need to have this conversation because what we're talking about beyond just the dangers of all that, what would move a person to take that type of risk on is this constant messaging damaging in terms of our self-esteem and our ability to feel positive about the way we look where we've got constant messaging that is making us feel like I'm just going to always feel less than, right? I'm always going to feel not enoughness. Yeah, to feel inferior is one of the things that can drive people into low self-esteem and depression. That is another um, situation that we see. We see people fall into a deep depression. We see people get so depressed, they take their lives. So there's other factors in this. It's not just I lost, unfortunately, I lost limbs, but you can lose yourself. 
And that's the big part of it is losing a sense of self, a sense of self-worth and not feeling valued in society. I think it speaks a lot to the empowerment piece for women, because if we listen to messages, it reminds me of a kind of Jedi mind trick. Like if we can get women to continue to be so focused on meeting this impossible standard, presenting in a way that confirms the importance of our role as beautiful, then we are exactly where the existing power structure wants us out of the attainment of the things that matter and into this place of trying to attain what the ideal of beauty is. In that Nancy Edkoff book, Survival of the Prettiest, she talks about how beauty ushers women to a place where men want them out of the power structure. And so there's issues of capitalism and the patriarchy and the patriarchal definition of beauty and plastering of these images everywhere that can be very distracting. And it puts us in that position of constantly trying to be more, be better, be fixed when in fact we don't need to be fixed. And so if you have people chasing that, then they're not able to call out, disrupt, and focus on the things that we need to be focused on. Yeah, it's definitely a clever distraction. (laughs) I'd say it's a very clever distraction. Beauty, first of all, is a multi-billion dollar industry. And a lot of people sitting at the top collecting that money, it's not women. So it is an agenda. And unfortunately, when you present something over and over, the mind starts to absorb that this is this is true. This is a fact. This is what's supposed to be. And I think that's what we get even with social media. The filters are are just growing. Every day I'm seeing new and new filters on Instagram. And I'm just appalled sometimes because there are people that feel like I can't present myself without these filters. And There is nothing regulating what that mental impact is that happens when you start to feel like that or when kids start to feel like that. There's nothing regulating that. And that's very concerning to me. I think that's such a great point because I've seen over time when we were really starting to talk about women and beauty standards, you know, the Dove campaign for real beauty. And this was really high on the radar. And we started to address how we needed as women to accept our beauty and see beauty differently. And then all of a sudden social media came along and we've almost forgotten all of that messaging and have not connected the dots, how this new medium that young girls, all of us are being inundated with, especially younger people who are spending so many hours a day seeing messaging. And you hear young people saying, oh, if I don't get it at least 200 likes within X amount of time, I pull it off. And then the trolls who get to comment and have an opinion. You had talked about earlier when you're in these auditions that you were getting critiqued and you need to lose 50 pounds and so forth. And that's terrible. But today, 50 million people can tell you what you need to do. All of a sudden, every troll in the world who has access to the internet gets to jump on and tell you all the ways that you are less than or not enough. And yet, I don't think enough of us are having conversations like this to connect the dots and say, we've got to take a step back and recognize the potential for destruction and the actual destruction that we are seeing. Yes. And I think the fear for me is that it is growing because it's also a marketable 
you know, money is always involved. So even with the filters where you can purchase additional filters, it's a money grab. But in my opinion, they should have some responsibility in this, especially because it's accessible to younger people. They're still developing mentally. And now you're telling them they are not enough. And not only one person, like you said, some of them are like, I have 20,000 followers, 40,000 followers. You have that many people telling you who you are just based on your physical appearance can be detrimental. It is detrimental to just the development of the mind. Yeah. I think what you're saying is so important too. And I'm not necessarily for censorship. However, if we're going to invite knowingly 13-year-olds onto Facebook and Instagram, and we know deep down that there's even younger people than that, to sit there and say, well, these are regulations for television and what you can show on a program for a 13-year-old, and here's regulations on a pack of cigarettes or alcohol or so forth, to invite children into this world when we understand the repercussions, and yet there's no conversation really, even about how are we impacting children when we then expose them to these incredibly standards 2.0, because now not only is it saying your nose is too big, it's saying this is what it should look like. Can you please apply it to your nose so that we don't have to be offended by your actual face, which is such a horrifying thing. But I think it's important to say it that way because that's what it's really saying. And we have to at least call out the ugliness of it. Exactly. I'm not for censorship either, but there has to be regulation. There has to be a protection in place. That's just simple, especially under 18. You, you need to be protected. Cyberbullying happens as a result of this. We've heard the horror stories of kids taking their lives because they were bullied. They were cyberbullied. And a lot of it is about their physical appearance. We are increasingly putting out their messaging on what is ideal in the social world. And people are increasingly feeling pressure. And many of those are young people. And this is not something that you and I are bringing to the forefront. We know from the scientific evidence-based research, the negative impact on self-esteem, self-efficacy, on young people, on women, on all people, when you spend a lot of time on social media, that it has this negative impact. So I want to wrap up a little bit with some hope and intention because so much of this just is so damn depressing and it's not meant to be. It's about the importance of these discussions, the awareness, calling it out. What do you think about the kinds of conversations we need to be having and how the work you're doing might impact those conversations? I definitely think it does start in the home. I know growing up, I heard my parents' voice louder than everyone else's. And that was important, important for me, especially being a woman of color, because depending on our communities and our environments, we are faced with a lot of things that sometimes other people don't even understand. So my parents were the ones that were always in my ear, you know, telling me I was beautiful. We talked about beauty and we talked about um, those type of things. And then I was also in entertainment. I was in theater. So we had to have a lot of conversations early on. Like, I think I was three and a half is my earliest conversation I had to have with my parents because of a situation that happened with, with, with a little girl. And she was like, well, I can't play with you because you're black. And so my parents had to start conversations way earlier than they anticipated, but it does start with the home. Parents have to be vocal. 
And as far as social media use, I have a nephew, he's seven, he's on Instagram. He, he loves to dance. So his mother, she's constantly monitoring it. She, she makes sure that she monitors everything in the comments. And we have to take some responsibility for the children. We, we really have to do that. Social media is also used in schools now. So schools need some type of rules in place for social media usage. I don't see that happening a lot yet because I've worked in some schools, but it is needed because you have these younger kids doing projects online. You have them doing things on social media. You need to have something in place to protect them. And then advocacy, you know, we just have to do that in the community. In different communities, we have to come together to advocate for our children, for those that are being attacked, we have to speak up and speak out. And that's a big thing. We don't, a lot of people don't want to get involved. They don't want to say anything. But when we see it, even from higher ups, when we see people attacking people, we have to say something and make our voices heard because we can become the influence collectively. I love that idea of collective influence because I think it can feel too big. How can I possibly, as a parent or as a friend or as a person who's active on social media, have the same impact that perhaps hundreds of thousands of messages of not enoughness and so forth tell you? And this idea that we should never discount the impact of a voice because sometimes one voice can drown out many voices. And so if we start to believe that we can't have impact because the voices around us are too loud, then we've already lost the battle. And I love what you're saying that collectively, if enough people come together and say, we need to do better. So every time you hear you're not enough, you need people there to say you are absolutely enough. So I always end with a manifest statement, a key takeaway. And I read a quote by body image coach and activist Golda Porteski, and it said, don't change your body to get respect from society. Instead, let's change society to respect our bodies. And I think that this whole conversation is about that. Society has always and will always tell us how we need to change to be valued. And what we need to do is start talking about how society needs to change to value people as they are. That's powerful. That is so true. I love that. So thank you so much for having this conversation, for continuing to do the work you're doing. And I will include a link in the notes to that project. And I cannot enough emphasize to listeners to go look at this because those images punctuate how bad it can get. And sometimes we need to see that if we're actually going to make the changes we need to. So I thank you, Shante, so much for having this critically important conversation with me today and for the work you continue to do to create more awareness and conversation around this topic. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback, so please email me at Dr. D. Simone at advancingwomenpodcast.com. I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast. And a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today.